You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Um, yeah, it is definitely an honor and privilege to be here with you this morning, uh, to be with my church family on this special Father's Day. Uh, even more special for me because I got surprised that my two older sons joined us for worship this morning. I was not expecting that. My son Connor even played the ploy because I mentioned to him that I was speaking and he says, it's still the same website that I can catch it on the web page. I'm like, yeah. And then I see him walking in along with Tyler. Uh, just a wonderful thing uh, to be able to celebrate today. Um, and uh, we're going to take a look uh, at fathers, obviously, uh, at our earthly father, at our heavenly father, and uh, just seeing uh, what all that plays into. And hopefully, as we walk out of here this, uh, this afternoon, or this morning, I should say, uh, just really in a different light and really how we look at our father. Uh, so let us uh, take time and just pray. Father, our father, our Good, good Father, just be with us now as you clear our hearts and minds and souls to be with you and to hear your word in our ears and even more placed into our hearts. And may my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So, fatherhood, I was probably the most unlikely candidate for that position. Uh, God, in his great sense of humor, uh, just kind of really uh, rolls along with things. I was kind of like, if you ever saw that insurance uh, commercial of where the guy was like saying, I'll never be married, I'll never drive a caravan, I'll never have kids. That was me. Um, and every one of those nevers came true. And even to Moorfold, I had my good friend Dan Noll, who was with us here this morning, tell me one time when he had uh, two children, I believe it was, or maybe it was at three, somewhere along the line, he had told me I wasn't a father yet until I had three. Well, I showed him I had four. <laughs> so we just uh, proved those things, you know, uh, beyond the point with that. But, you know, um, looking back and at fatherhood, I was not, like I said, I wasn't necessarily the best candidate in this whole thing. Uh, just two quick stories, and it was more because of breakfast this morning that kind of rehashed these in front of my eyes. Uh, talking at the table this morning with Austin and uh, just sitting there, and he was kind enough to make his dad waffles this morning, so that was a gift. But with all that said, uh, it reminded me, Sandy was working uh, in the evenings as I had my own construction business when we were starting in this whole parenthood situation. And I was left with the four children at home, understanding Amber was very small, Austin was just a little bit older, and you had Tyler and Connor just in their mischievous modes, and um, I was left to handle all of them. And I came upstairs, we lived in a split-level house, I came upstairs and uh, saw cereal all over the kitchen floor. I was like, my goodness, you know getting this all scrambled up, and I asked Tyler and Connor, watch your two younger ones, and I'll get this cleaned up and get cleaned up. I get that cleaned up. I walk out in the hall, and to this day, I still have not gotten an answer on this, but Austin and Amber were licking peanut butter off of the doorknob of the bedroom 
First off, how they got peanut butter, I don't know. And why would you be possessed to eat peanut butter that way is beyond me. But there they were. Stop that, you know. And I got them, and I'm asking Tyler and Connor, would you please watch your brother and sister? So I'm getting this cleaned up. I get that cleaned up. I walk back into the kitchen, and now there is marshmallow fluff all over the cabinets in the kitchen. And I was like, this isn't what I signed up for, <laughs> right? And with all that, uh, I was then told by my wife, is like, you got to keep an eye on them. <sighs> I, don't, I still don't have an answer to all that. And the final story in this, just to say these little blips of how fatherhood goes, is the story that we talked about this morning was catapults. My boys, as you know, were in scouts. And um, I can thank Mr. Spies for this, but he had all of them build catapults. And I instructed them that they, you know, need to be using these in a right manner. I came home from work one day and there was all these indentations on my wall in the kitchen. Well, here they were launching marbles into the kitchen wall. No, we don't launch marbles into the kitchen wall. Use the marshmallows they gave you to do launch if you're going to do this stuff in the house. Okay, I come home the next day, and I lived in a split level. Like I said, there's a chandelier in the foyer, and that is filled with marshmallows because they were launching them over the half wall into the, the light in the foyer. No, we don't put marshmallows into the light. You're playing with your catapults outside from now on. Okay, I come home to find a scurry of stones all over our deck and into our yard because they decided they were going to launch rocks into the yard. Needless to know, they didn't know at that age, that is very hard to mow over in around your house. So the catapults got taken away. Um, so those are just some real nice stories of fatherhood to share with you. And as well as when I was a child, uh, my father, I won't get into those stories. I'll keep those stories aside. But um, some of you here do know some of those stories. And as a child, you know, my dad was my dad. He's my dad, you know, William Sheldon Becker. I was just telling the kids this morning, you probably, he's turning over in his grave knowing that he's named after our family dog right now. But, um, you know, he taught me the baseball. He taught me the fishing and uh, working with my hands and had a strong work ethic. Uh, just constantly doing stuff. He was very well-versed. Uh, machinist papers. He was a welding instructor for 20 years. And he made grandfather clocks. He was very well-known for his grandfather clocks. Served in the Navy. Um, uh, loved the old sitcoms. Uh, MASH, All in the Family. All in the Family would be something on TV today, right? But um, fan of Tom and Jerry and Looney Tunes, all that great stuff. And uh, we, you know, childhood was something that was a cherished thing that I can look back on, and I was blessed for that. And, uh, but when I became a teenager, that got very conflicted. Uh, the rebellion in me and my dad and I did not really see eye to eye too often. We, we were at conflict a lot. Um, and uh, he would be known for a big bark, not necessarily a, a bad bite, but you wouldn't want that bite. Um, and uh, he had his sayings. Uh, yeah, dumb teenager was one of them. Um, with Dan sitting here today, it just reminds me of another one of where he would say, oh, that kid's going to pot. And it wasn't about marijuana. It meant that you were going in a bad way. But um, it was just, uh, it was a very hard time. And 
uh, he, 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 he had a look about him when something would disappoint him. He would just cross his arms and he'd be like this, you know, and uh, it was a sign. It was a sign that uh, you weren't quite measuring up to everything that was going on. Uh, but then the funny thing happened. The older I got, the wiser he became. Hmm, that was kind of interesting to see that happen. And it just simply amazed me. Um, and we did get closer in the latter years. Uh, I used to join him from time to time on his everyday stop in the morning at 5.30 a.m. Um, at the Temple Restaurant. He used to tell him, Dad, you're retired. Why are you going out at 5.30 in the morning? But that was his thing. And you would always find him sitting at the end of the counter. That was his chair. Um, and, uh, but I took moments to grab time to sit with him and uh, have breakfast with him or maybe even stop into the house from time to time and just chat with him as he swung on his favorite swing. And uh, the swing actually had an indentation in it because he sat in the same spot so many times. But, uh, you know, maybe catching an episode of uh, MASH or Looney Tunes, uh, his favorite, one of the favorite MASH episodes was when Frank was, he was, <laughs> the, that BJ was doing practical jokes and he, he recalled Air Raid and Frank came, ran it out, went into the hole because they filled it with water and we laughed at that a thousand times even though we knew what was going to happen and Tom and Jerry and uh, it just endless things, you know, uh, that we did have those moments. But I say all that stuff is like, don't miss those opportunities, those moments, those special moments those moments to be with your father um, in those special times and treasure moments. And um, just I'm, I'm just retracing a lot of this stuff because it really plays into what we're going to look at in Isaiah and um, the Lord's Prayer this morning. But it really hit me hard when he passed, more than I ever would have expected, and um, lost him in July of 2014, we were away on a mission trip uh, with the youth here. It was the first mission trip. We weren't even members here yet. Um, but Tyler and Connor had ties with Trevor and Owen and the youth group here. And we went, to the, we went on the mission trip. And um, he had fallen before we left for the mission trip. Uh, I actually saw him that Saturday. He was, in good, he was in good condition. There was even talk about maybe we'd come home in the following week. Um, and we went away, and I got news from my niece, Ashley, that he was uh, diminishing quickly, um, that it would only be a day or two. So I was faced with, am I leaving the mission trip, coming home? And they were all very supportive of it. Um, whatever decision I made, to stay or come back. We were in Altoona, Pennsylvania, so it wasn't like we were far, far away. But there was a decision to be made, and I prayed consulted with Tammy, with the youth, and some others, and uh, I decided to stay because I really felt that the Lord was saying, you need to stay. You need to stay. That was all I was hearing at that point, you need to stay. And it, the turnaround of all that, we had plans of eat, having communion with the couple, the family in need that we were with that, the next day, and we did have that. And it was a special time. It was a special moment uh, with that family and with the people at that point. And soon after that, I got word that my father passed. And I was devastated, to say the least. And we stayed there, and we had time that evening of a sharing night. And it was where the youth had an opportunity to open up. 
And being a father, I had the opportunity of seeing my two sons, Tyler and Connor, open their hearts up and just share a little bit more about their faith. And what a treasured moment. You know, God knew at that time what was going on. He knew he had my father in his hands, and he had me in his hands along with my sons and gave me an opportunity to see the blessing of his love coming through with my sons at that time in that moment. I was at the right place at the right time, and the father had me in his hands along with everyone else. So I knew where I needed to be. So it is, if you hear that whole story I just laid out with all those sharing of those personal stories, few laughs, few tears in it, but it's how our life is, isn't it truly? It's our earthly father that we see as a child, and that's where we see our, our maybe first signs of what a father means. And then I rebelled as a teenager, and in my young adult life, and we were at odds with my father's, at odds with my father's, but he always loved me unconditionally. He had his faults, but then I matured, and I saw him as he truly was. And the Father in heaven brought us together, and we had reconciliation in time. And it was a blessing. It's the process. It's a process. It's a process of life. And we see that with our Heavenly Father. We learn, we learn about God. We fall from God. But yet he comes to us and accepts us in his heart. And we are redeemed. Today we're looking at the Lord's Prayer in Isaiah 63. And obviously Isaiah 63 is rather lengthy. But there's a lot in there. It's this process of going from knowing your father, seeing who he is, and seeing maybe that judgment. And then going to a point of redemption and seeing that he does protect us. And he is trying to guide us. And we look back to him and find out that we are truly children of father. So I hope when you leave here today, you find that deeper relationship with your Father in heaven. I was blessed to have a balanced family, or what you might call, I wouldn't say necessarily normal. I don't know if anyone's truly normal, but we weren't rich in money. We were rich in peace and blessing. And that came from parents who had faith. And I was even more blessed to marry into a family that was very much the same. I know some weren't. I know some of you have had heartbreak after heartbreak. I know some of you, the father's neglected or as Landon said, you don't even know who your father may be. Could even be abusive at times. I can't speak to any of that. I haven't lived through that. But I can say that it hasn't been an easy life for myself from a different aspect. You know, I look at uh, the loss of my grandfather, Bankus. A lot say that I'm always like my grandfather, Bankus. Uh, he was very close to me, and I lost him. I saw him go down the path of dementia and basically becoming a man I never, I, I didn't recognize. And that's a horrible thing to see and go through. I saw the passing of my father. I also dealt with two tumors, one that almost killed me and one that almost paralyzed me. In two auto accidents that they said that I shouldn't even be here now out of those two accidents. I went through financial ruin twice and failure after failure. But I know in my heart of hearts 
that God still loves me unconditionally and he will never leave me and nothing in this world or the next will separate me from him as he walks with me every minute of every day at every moment, even though there's times I don't feel him and I don't see him. And it is the same for each and every one of us. He's there, he's guiding us, he's protecting us, he's carrying us through it all. That is our God in heaven, our Father, and it is for all of us, it's our Father. So I'm hoping after we look at these scriptures in the next two hours, no, I won't do that to you, uh, that we will, we will see our Father in a different light. I picked Isaiah 63, and Isaiah 63, it, well, Isaiah is considered to be the number one prophet. Uh, his ministry was in 7040 to 681 BC, and if you understand Israel at that time, it was a divided kingdom. You had uh, United Kingdom uh, in the north, and then you also had the uh, you had the northern kingdom, and then you had uh, the southern kingdom, which was considered Judah. And uh, if you look at the book of Isaiah, it's broken up into really two areas. You had the point of judgment, but then you had the final chapters, or I should say from 40 to 66, dealing about comfort and hope, and that hope pointing to Jesus Christ. Isaiah is very prophetic as far as towards the Messiah, and Obviously, Isaiah 63 is in the midst of that, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a scripture of Isaiah that was really pointing to the process of how we see our Father, see our Father in heaven, and seeing him acting. And this is, um, this is what led me to Isaiah 63. And, you know, if we look at all this, it really does give us a very unique look at God. Uh, remember, Jesus also said, if you know me, you know the Father. And that also leads me to why we would look at the Lord's Prayer, too, because it was what, what was asked as far as how should we pray or how should we pray to the Lord. And what a better way to communicate with God or to know God or to know who he is than to share our hearts through prayer. That's why prayer is so vital. It, it's, it's the the biggest, the most powerful thing that we can do and do continually. So we, we will compare Isaiah with the Lord's Prayer as we go through this. Now, a little bit about the Lord's Prayer. I have a little bit of confession to make here, and I was actually sharing this with Landon this week as we were talking about some things, and I'm kind of embarrassed about this in the sense that um, I went to Matthew. I said, oh, I'm going to look up the Lord's Prayer because we're going to have that part of the sermon. I look at it, and I'm reading at it, and I'm like, where's the end? The end ain't here. And ah, it's in Luke. I look at Luke, and it's not in Luke. And I'm like, am I like missing something? What's going on? Where's the end of the Lord's Prayer at? I can't even believe that, Pastor, that I, I didn't know that for all these years of all my Bible study. I didn't know they didn't have the full Lord's Prayer in Scripture. And, I'm, and then I got looking and researching it, and it turns out it depends on Matthew and the translation. Matthew is from Greek translation. Luke is from Hebrew. And it's all in the process of translations. You'll actually find the ending part in some versions of the Bible, and some you won't. And it's all in how P 
people look at that and there's a whole, I didn't know there was this whole discussion about the end of the Lord's Prayer. Because understand, I was brought up Lutheran, so we said it every Sunday in church. And then I went to UCC church with a Reformed background and we said it every Sunday in church. So I just was like, this is the Lord's Prayer, this is the whole thing, and I never had any differential behind it. I was so shocked to find out that in NIV and a lot of the common versions, you do not have the ending of the Lord's Prayer in it. And uh, I just thought this was uh, just an amazing thing because the ending part that is added in is for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And uh, just to kind of throw some of that out. Now you can find some of those ending things in First Timothy. There's also reference in Chronicles um, from David. But just to kind of capsulate a little bit of history there and understanding the Lord's Prayer. But it is, it is you know... Uh, a point of where Jesus was showing us going to our Father and seeking our Father in all of this. So a doctrine of God the Father, and I share this because it's, it's not a common doctrine uh, that you might hear like people speak about. It's something that we actually studied in Bible study fellowship this past year. And here's a little amazing story about how God works is I was to speak back at the end of April I wound up getting ill, could not do it. Um, and talking to the pastor, he says, how about let's do Father's Day? Okay, sounds good. And that week in the study of class of BSF, we had doctrine of the doctrine of God the Father. Hmm, that's funny how that works, right? Of how God sets you up. But if we look at this doctrine of God the Father, we also see where God the Father is the first person of the Trinity as humans. Our experience is with our own earthly fathers, as I've been pointing to, that can impact us as far as our perception of who God is and seeing our Heavenly Father. Unlike our earthly, God, our earthly dads, God is perfect because he's omniscient. He knows every detail of us and understands us completely because he created us everything and everyone. He knows how you think and what you value. God is the ultimate source of every blessing and good thing. His purpose and plans are for us always for our ultimate benefit. God is sovereign. He has the power and authority to accomplish what he knows is best for us. Perhaps the sweetest aspect of God the Father is his tender love and his personal investment into us through his son, Jesus Christ. As humans, aren't we stubborn? And we're independent, because, and that really kind of leads to our rebel against the one who loves us most. Isn't it kind of that way with our parents, our father? I know it was me with my father. Even if your human father has failed you, your heavenly Father will not. Knowing God as your Father brings life purpose and security, you can always run to your Father confidently and without pretense. His love is not based on your performance or your worthiness. It's by grace. Your Father eagerly wants you to call on Him as He longs to bless you in ways that matter most. You can trust whatever life brings. Your Father will work for your good. God will lovingly hold things that are not good for you 
and give you what you need, not what you want, what you need, because he is a good father. Your heavenly father, as I said, will never fail you. Not now, not ever. That takes us now into this first division. And all that to get to the first division, right? But our first division is our first impressions of our Father. And we're looking at Isaiah 63, verses 1 to 6. The scripture is actually in your handout along with a copy of the Lord's Prayer. So you can kind of maybe look at these side by side as I'm speaking to it. But looking at Isaiah verses 63, verses 1 to 6, but also the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see in Isaiah where he talks about the robe, robed in spread, uh, splendor, greatness of strength, proclaiming victory, mighty to save. Doesn't that truly show who God is, the awesomeness of God, the God of all things? But then we see the trampled them in anger. And so my own arm achieved salvation for me. We see blood spiring on the ground, such a violent and outcry of things going on. But we also see where God is in control. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God in control, all-powerful, protection. We see judgment. We see the blood, but we see the salvation that comes out of that. God is in control in the midst of all the chaos and the craziness going on. He's there. How much I saw my, how did I see my earthly father early in my life? I saw him as the God, the father, this awesome God, but then there was the turmoil, there was the, 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 the friction, the, the, the divisions as I was fighting for my independence, fighting for that freedom of choice. And sometimes his wrath led to, my, to the rebellion in my life. But the wrath was to guide me because he loved me. And we see this in Isaiah. We see this powerful thing that's going on in the midst of all that. Our principle in this area, in this division, looking at that and seeing God in that light is while God is omnipotent and sovereign, he still shows his tender, unconditional love with his personal investment in you. That's our principle for the first division. While God is omnipotent and sovereign, he will still show his tender, unconditional love with his personal investment in you. So I ask you, how did you see your earthly father? How does that play into how you see your heavenly father? And then how do we see ourselves in the reflection of both of these fathers? Think about that. Take that into your hearts and minds. That leads us into my second division and the second division is our reality of life with our Father. This is where we get to the daily walk, the walk that we're into on a continual basis. And we're looking at Isaiah 
verses 17 to 15 now, along with, give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Isaiah, we see praise, we see prayer, we see this communication going on. We see provision of what is needed, not wanted, but what is best and what is needed at the time. There's protection that is going on from the Lord. We see out of the scripture, in all their distress, he too he was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. His love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them, yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Isn't that us today? It's a little hard to swallow sometimes. Understanding all that the Lord has given us, yet we rebel. Thank the Lord for our Savior, Jesus Christ. But isn't that the answer to everything today? Jesus Christ. It's the ultimate gift from our Father. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Every day, I go driving to Philadelphia, and especially this past week, every day, it talks about how many shootings just occurred the night before. Same in Philly, it's the same other places. The gun violence has just escalated. And I'm here to tell you, the answer is not in gun laws. The answer is not in more, reg more regulations. It's not in more money to finance anything. The answer is in Jesus Christ. Until we have Jesus Christ in our heart, that will not change. Without Jesus Christ in our heart, racism isn't going to change. Without Jesus Christ in our, in our heart, we're not going to have social justice. We're not going to stop poverty, and we're not going to stop a virus. It's by Jesus Christ. That's where the rubber meets the road. And how do we stop the disaster of mankind throughout? It's through Jesus Christ in our hearts, period. That's where it is. We can argue other faiths. We can argue other things. But the truth is there. It's in Jesus Christ. And I will proclaim that to the day I die because I've seen it because he's worked in me. I know what he's done, and I know what he can do because I've seen it in me. When you're put onto your back and you're near death's door, you know without a conviction in your heart. And that's how I stand. It's just that's the truth. They can do all that we can do all we want to do, but without Jesus Christ, it will not change. And we just continue to cast that out, to put it aside. But the answer is Jesus Christ. What we as believers need to understand a few things is God, our Father, gave us the answer in Jesus Christ. We know that as believers. But our challenge is to really get over ourselves and to accept that Accept that it is God's will. Thy will be done and not ours. Second, we need not to force it on anybody. We can proclaim it. We can be bold about it. But we cannot force it on to anybody. They need to accept it in their hearts. And they need to have their personal relationship with their Father in heaven. 
Now, that sometimes that is achieved by different means, obviously. And that's why we have different denominations. There is nothing wrong with that. But we as believers need to stand against the ways of the evil one, the power of God prevailing over the evil one. We have to stand against that. Because evil is just trying to steal away that relationship. It's trying to, to cloud the view of our Father. And we need to find our Heavenly Father, all of us, in different ways, in different lives. And even believers, we need to go deeper and we need to go more. We're not fighting against red and blue states. We're not fighting against Republican and Democrats, conservative or liberals, black or white, rich or poor, believer or not believer. We're not fighting against that. We are fighting against evil. And that's why we must be delivered from evil. We need to stop fighting within ourselves. We got to stop fighting what's dividing us and trying to take us away from our Father. We were just talking about that in Sunday school this morning, that very same thing. Evil starts by prying upon our selfish desires. It, it festers in envy and jealousy and covetousness. We see Jesus telling us, forgive we ask this in this prayer, forgive our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. It's not only within ourselves, it's our outward reach to others. We need to remove ourselves and let Jesus Christ come in. John 15, 8, 15 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Change comes from us first and then to others. That is where it lies. That is the key. The answer is not in government. It's not in the media. It's not in the wealth and the success of this world. It's not in vaccines. It's not in all this stuff that we see running around us. It's in Jesus Christ. What it is that we promote, what it is we promoted of God's love through Jesus Christ we, we have to promote it. We have to proclaim it. We have to be bold in it. But we can't be forceful, as I said. If we started with ourselves and then shine the light of the Lord of how he worked in us and shine it out to others, what a different place this world would be. What if we advertised Jesus Christ like we've been seeing the vaccine advertised? Now, understand, I'm not against the vaccine. Understand that part of it. What I'm saying is the promotion of it, the advertisement, the, the proclaiming of it. If we took the Lord in that sense, in that text, where would we be? What would we see? I'm using that as an example of proclaiming something. It's important. It's important to take care of ourselves, and we need to watch ourselves. I'm not claiming against that. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is the promotion of the light of the world to everyone Seeing our Father, our Father, our, our, all our Father. It's not my Father, it's our Father who art in heaven. And I just hope that we can get the Lord in the right light and in our hearts in the right way. My principle in this division is that even if you are even if your human father has failed you, your heavenly father 
will not. So how are you impacted by the thought of God as your father, of you being his child? Can you fully accept Jesus Christ into your heart? We're going to be looking at that in our next division. My life didn't change until I was 30 years old. I knew God. I knew Jesus. It's not about knowing him. It's about having that personal relationship. I grew up in the church. I believed all of it, but it didn't change until I had Jesus Christ in my heart of hearts. And then here's the crazy story. Then he let me be a father here on earth because me and my wife were trying for several years. And it wasn't until I accepted Jesus Christ in August of 1996. Tyler was born in April 1997. Do the month count. God let me be a father when I accepted Jesus Christ in my heart because he says, now you're ready. You're ready for the peanut butter on the doorknob. Okay? It's time. It's time. So division three, our father in our hearts, looking at the final verses of Isaiah 63, 16 and 19. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. We see in verse 16, our father, verse 16 of Isaiah we also see the Redeemer from old is in your name. Verse 17, why, Lord, do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so we do not revere you? Why is that? Why do we fade away? Why does he let our hearts harden? Why didn't he create us to be these robots of love and praise of the Lord? Because it's about choice. It's that free will. It only means something when we choose it, when we decide it, when we take it into our heart of hearts. There's the value. We have to have the choice. And that's why we wander. We go down our ways, our paths. That's why prayer is the important part. Being in tune to God's will, not about our request sheet. And yes, we go to him and we ask and we we need him. But what I'm saying is prayer is a time to be in communication with your Lord, trying to find out what is he truly saying? Andy, stay in Altoona. That's where I need you. I got your father. He's okay. It's being in tune to his will. And there's a blessing that comes out of that, surpasses all understanding Sometimes it doesn't make a sense to anything, but yet he's guiding us and he's leading us down the path he created us all for, the purpose and the reason why we're here. He will tell us. He will lead us. We wander off that path, and then he knocks us back in line, right? I've gotten a lot of hits in the head over the years. I always think about a road going down through, you know, God's word, God's commands are like the guardrails keeping me from veering off the highway, keep me in the line. 
It's not this thing that's oppressing me down. The laws aren't there to oppress us. The word's not there to oppress us. The word's there to guide us, to lead us, to take us down that road, that highway that he made for us, to make the path smooth, right? John talked about that, making the way smooth. And that's what it is. We are yours from old. From the beginning of time, God knew who we were, what he created us for. He knew that this day, this very moment, I'd be standing here proclaiming this. Even through all that stuff I was doing as a kid, and even still do today at times. I wander off all the time. And that leads us to the principle. Knowing God as your father brings your life purpose and security. Knowing God as your father brings your life purpose and security. How might God fill your heart with delight to be his child? How can you rejoice today knowing that the creator of the universe is your father, your father in heaven? I'm going to get into my closing thoughts here. We're coming to the end, We're coming down. It's just a powerful thing to know God and to have him working through your life in certain situations. We saw it, and this is a little bit of a blurb to promote the study that we're doing on Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock downstairs. We're looking at life under God and uh, the provision of God. We talked about uh, talking about founding fathers, right? Shouldn't they be a father that we look at today on Father's Day? Founding fathers. And talking about George Washington and seeing his life. And when he was a young man, he was a lieutenant during the French and Indian War. Found his coat after a battle and had several holes, that bullet holes that were through his jacket, but he didn't have a wound on him. God's hand of protection was on him because he knew what he needed George Washington to be a part of, to be in future life. There was a hand of provision that we just talked about this morning as far as they were, they were just starting in the Revolutionary War something you don't hear about in history books, and he's, they're pinned down, and they're trying to get, this is up in New York, and they're trying to get across the East River because the British have them surrounded. They have no way out. Washington decides to go at night, and his words were, let's look to God. God will provide us. God didn't take us here to have us fail because he had his, he was in tune with the Lord and the Lord's will in the, in the intent of what they were striving for freedom, freedom of man, and not just freedom of America, but freedom for all mankind. And they weren't perfect. The founding fathers were not perfect. They had their faults, slavery, all those different things. We're not perfect, but God works through us, and God makes things perfect through us. And that's what he was trying to do when he was founding this nation. He was trying to make the beacon of light, which isn't that the case even today. The beacon of light, people flooding in from the borders. Why? Because it's the place that there's still hope and there's still that light of the Lord gleaming through our country and through our things. And you see the founding father, the founding father led George Washington with the people across the river. They don't know how, but there's a fog that came across in the morning all of a sudden a thick fog, and it gave them enough time to get everything out because they still didn't have everything out. And God's hands of provision and protection was there, and they got away from the British. The revolution couldn't even, was it just starting? It was just weeks into it. And it could have been all stopped, but it wasn't because God's divine hand was on it. We just see God continually 
even through our rebellion and fall. We see this process, right? We see where God created all things for a purpose and a reason. We see our rebellion and fall, but then we see the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, the reconciling and restoration, and a purpose of his plan to bring us fulfillment, joy, and peace. It's the story of Genesis. It's the story of the Bible. It's the story of our life. It continues on and on and on and on. God gives us promises. He says, I'm your strength. I'll never leave you. I got plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I hear your prayers. I fight for you. I will give you peace, and I will love you always. Those are the promises of our Father in heaven. Ephesians 2.10, and I will end on this. We are God's handiwork created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'll say that again. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's our purpose. That's our purpose as his children. It's who we are to be God's handiwork. There are many voices and life situations that clamor for our attention, trying to divert us. But God, our Father, calls us to walk ever so close to him and to be in his presence, in his living presence and his peace. This was God's design for us. Before the world even began, he called us, his children, to many different paths, distinctly designed for that specific path. Don't let life, persons, or circumstances divert you from your Father's plan for you. Whether you see yourself bad, good, or indifferent, you are his beloved child. Your path is not above others and is designed specifically for you out of unconditional love. God will let you fall because he loves you. God will let troubles come your way to refine you, to grow us, to teach us, and to change our hearts, to mold you to what he intended you to be from the beginning, to prosper you, to bring you fulfillment beyond anything of this world. God, our Father, will never forsake you. He loves you so much that he gave himself to you through Jesus Christ, so that you may be redeemed and restored to the purpose you were created for. This is all through Jesus Christ. That's why I said the answer is in Jesus Christ. I just ask that God be with you, that your Father walks with you every day. Go seek the Father. Seek your Heavenly Father. Find Him. Find Him through Jesus Christ, you will find that all you ever longed for is in him because we were created in his image. He is hidden within our hearts. We just need to draw that out. Find him. Bless others by letting his light shine bright in this dark world. Happy Father's Day. 
God bless and keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 